What up, it's your boy, V Mark Rob, aka Sean Matt Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Four Eye Willie, coming at you with episode 173. While recording this episode, the Ringer's Jason Concepcion announced that November 1st will be his last day at the Ringer. During this episode, Kyle and I shouted out Jason multiple times as a big reason why we were fans of now defunct Grantland and of sports journalism overall. While the Ringer, Jason produced NBA Desktop, an Emmy Award-winning internet series that focused on current pro basketball news stories. For me and Kellen, we both thoroughly enjoyed Jason. Personally, for me, Binge Mode, his podcast series with Mallory Rubin, is staple listening. In the years of Grandland and The Ringer, I truly don't believe a better tandem in sports entertainment, journalism, or nerd culture was better than Jason and Mallory. Together, they're both super funny, deeply intelligent, and always a great listen. So, this episode is dedicated to Jason and journalists all over the world doing the right thing. Jason, will greatly miss you. Good luck in the future. We'll be watching and listening. For the fans of Hyphenation, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast, Hyphen Nation. I am your host, Kellen Conley. That's right, we back, baby. Woo. And with me, as sometimes is the case, is my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Showing Mad Love Robinson. What up, though, Marcus? Chia, what's good, Peppin? What's good, baby? Oh, uh, you know, you know, just living out here in the crazy world, man. That, and I hope that uh you're trying to do the same every every do a little bit every day because it is crazy always always baby always as you can see i don't know i got the capital c go go g league custom jersey on so oh, i'm ready nice, to play nice. ball nice okay i was wondering what you're wearing there i i can appreciate that it, it looks good there sir looks thank real you, good you. you're you're welcome you know I, I i try to compliment you and tell you you look pretty sometimes um, I appreciate it. You look pretty too. Oh no, man! You look way prettier than I do. Uh, stop. Nope, I, I can't help myself. You got me started. So, <laughs> yeah, man, we are here tonight because uh, ESPN Plus uh, or ESPN in general announced, "Hey guys, we're going to take all of our, our sports writing behind a paywall," uh, and that was like last week, sometime when that came out, and. I don't know how these two ideas correlated, um, but I had decided to see how long it had been since uh, Grantland.com had closed down, and it turns out it's it was uh, five years. I don't know if we're on if we're two today, but it's very close as to the last time the Grantland was an actual working website with employees. But I was like, hey, Marcus, uh, let's try to talk about one ESPN putting articles behind a paywall, uh, which is like most of their sports journalism other than like the breaking news, which is crazy to me. And then also I'd like to really talk about Grantland because one, I just freaking loved Grantland when it was around and it's been five years since Grantland closed. So 
And of course, what does Marcus always say whenever anybody asks him to do anything? I'm with the shits. I'm with the shits. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. I'm with the shits. So we're here with the shits, actually. And yeah, and actually tomorrow, October 30th, is the five-year anniversary of Grantland being closed down. So we've had brief discussions over the years, Marcus, about any kind of content, especially writing well, any kind of written content being put behind paywalls. And me and you, we come from the, the blog era, so to speak. So we were used to free access and getting the music right away. And we we got spoiled. We got used to getting the writing right away. And then over the past few years, all the big writers that are in sports still, like anybody works for ESPN or The Athletic or anybody like that, Um, their work has slowly been shuttered behind these paywalls. And on one hand, I see where it makes sense for the websites because it's like, oh, well, that's how the website will make money. But on the other hand, I just feel like it's a trash idea and it prevents some people from even reading the material because they see a paywall and they immediately have their guards up. So um, what is your official hyphenation take on paywall material or any kind of written material going behind a paywall? Uh, this shit is trash <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's trash but at the same time you know writers gotta eat mm-hmm. um, right. I think I think sports journalism at this moment I mean it's it's almost non-existent from a public standpoint where the best writers are going to either the athletic or they're just sort of talking heads. Like I think the one of the one of the greatest shows that ESPN ever created was Pardon the Interruption. And you know, we got these two journalists from DC, Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon. And they're basically, you know, throwing out takes. Um in, in the very beginning, the concept was pretty novel and they really came across as like, you know, thoughtful, catty. Um, feisty and you know around the whole uh, sorry party interruption when it first started it really felt like you know it felt like a sports reporters but in kind of a more I guess maybe like prime time and more cooler way and so while sports reporters like I would catch here and there even though I really like sports reporters uh, party interruption was like probably the first show for ESPN that I legit made appointment viewing that wasn't live sports. And then you had Around the Horn come around and with it being all sports journalists, um, it was it was another sort of thing where it's like, now these journalists, they have public platforms to kind of get their you know points across. But at the same time, they were still writing. Like A lot of people on national scale don't really know, but Michael Wilbon and Tony Kronheiser, they were still writing in those early days when they had the show. And so you could go to the WashingtonPost.com. Uh, you can actually go and buy them and still in the paper, like in those early days. But, you know, when they transitioned away and, you know, that, that's just no longer the case anymore. I think it's I think it's a really disservice to the public for people who want to be sort of enlightened about what their sports takes actually are, that things are behind a paywall. And I think it's the ultimate catch of 22. Like, I think that 
in order to give people information, intelligent intelligent information, like thought-provoking information, I'm very of the mindset that it should be free and easy to access. Like I'm I'm as liberal as far as saying I think internet should be free. Like I don't think anyone should pay for internet. I love that idea. I'm a hundred percent with you. Yes. Yeah. Free internet. Yeah. And so when we have like paywalls, then it's kind of like, well, what if it's a situation where I only want to read like one of your actual reporters and I'm kind of booing everyone else when I don't necessarily care. Like we, for me personally, like the athletic, they have like a ton of writers there that do a lot of great work. Uh, David Aldrich from DC, he's one of, he's like uh, the editor of the, I guess, Steed C part of the athletic. Like he's like the main yeah, guy over I- there. Yeah. And so, when this summer when they were doing like the the athletic like special of like we'll you know give you 16 we'll give you well it was like we'll give you like two or three months free for the athletic and then after it's over you know you got to pay like the monthly cost whatever and so i signed up but at the same time the pandemic hit and none of the articles there were anything that wasn't doom and gloom so it was kind of like i i got the free service and i wasn't using it so i i cut it off Mm -hmm. and then unfortunately big john thompson passed oh man rest in peace john thompson yeah, the former Georgetown uh, men's basketball head coach, he passed away. And Big John is a D.C. legend, like full stop. Like, like when you think of D.C. basketball, like you have to think of Big John. Like there's there's no way around it. And David Aldridge and a lot of other D.C. writers um, for the Athletic, they were putting out good content. But I my coverage lapsed. And so I didn't get a chance to read any of it. And, it, and then it's like, of course, bro, like it's like David Aldridge is someone who's been in, in sports media, you know, for decades. And when he talked DC sports, like that's someone I trust. And this whole era where people are promoting the idea of quote unquote fake news and, you know, people are really questioning sources or whatever, you know, when someone is a good writer and you don't have access to it, it's it it seems like it's a it's a total loss. Like I I wish David Aldridge was someone. Like when his big John piece dropped, like that should have been something Asian read. Like right. the, like if you were someone who idolizes '80s basketball, '90s basketball. If you were someone who idolized like a black man that was really doing great for the black kids on his team and his community and was a man of respect, like you should have access to reading those beautiful words that I'm sure David Aldridge wrote. But then it's like, you know, David, David has a family defeat. Like he has, yep. you know, he has responsibilities of his own. And, you know, from my mindset, why why isn't the Washington Post paying for that? But then we all know like newspapers are completely tanking out because the internet is free. So is this really this real true catch twenty two type of thing where, you know, we 
we we got to respect the hustle. Like we hate it, but we have to respect the hustle. Like my my question to the listeners is, you know, we just talked about Bomani Jones. I don't even know if that part is going to make the episode, but I, we talked about oh, it's Bomani all staying Jones. And, it's all, all right, staying. cool. And so we talked about Bomani Jones and how I think Bomani is a very very smart guy. He's a he's a pretty good writer, um, but in conversation. He is, you know, really, really in-depth and really focused. Why is Vanity Fair paying him to write about sports and not ESPN? Right. Right. Like, you would think, and I, and then I'll have to circle back around this. Just remind me about Stephen A. Smith. You would think that when the worldwide leader in sports has these journalists who they've turned into these TV personalities or they've already come to them as TV personalities or radio personalities, you would think that if they have the ability to write as well, why wouldn't you let that, let them do that in your arena? Like, why do you want them, like you said, to go to Vanity Fair to go, um, to go write sports for them? Like what, like that's just crazy. And I don't want to, it could be a money thing. Maybe Vanity Fair offered Bomani more money to write sports for them. Maybe ESPN wasn't interested in Bomani's uh, written takes or whatever, but why outsource all of your, why let your talent go somewhere else and, and not keep it all in house. And that was the same thing I wondered about Stephen A. Smith, because when he was doing, um, when he was doing first take with skip, um, a few years back, uh, he went and got a radio show on Sirius on Sirius because ESPN didn't want to give him a show. And then once that show started to take off, I believe ESPN was like, "Um, you're going to have to come over here." But I don't understand why ESPN would want to let their talent escape like that either. Just it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, I don't get it either. Or whatever. It's like comics, conventions, and cosplay. Or whatever. It's like ladies' night. Or whatever. It's like wrestling. Or whatever. It's like parenting. Or whatever. It's like anime. Or whatever. It's like spiritual warfare. Or whatever. It's like... Great friends, awesome people, coming around, doing what we do best. Or whatever. You should watch, listen, and follow. Or whatever. It's like a podcast or whatever. So, Marcus, where were we? What was the last thing we said? Capitalism is shit, and journalists should get paid, and their writing should be free. Um, yeah, like I, I totally agree. Like for years and years, ESPN has been the standard bearer of all this great sports material all across the board. And e- even going back to the early 2000s, like when the website first started getting re- um, come starting first got started. And do you remember ESPN's old URL to get to the website that they had for well, years and years? Like ESPN.go.com or something yes. like that. 
Yes, if you went to ESPN.com, it would always take you to ESPN.go.com. It was like that for years, and I never understood that. They would advertise. I mean, they had it all over their, their TV product, of course, and it was always ESPN.go.com. And I was just like, why? Well, what's the point? I always just thought that was weird. But going back to those days and the page two days, and you can read old Simmons columns. You can read anything you want way back in the day. And that's been something that has been picked through over the years for content to see. Let me go see what the 2003 um, Boston Celtics were like. Let me go um, and see what people were writing about um, back then as far as those teams. Let me go see um, about this hockey player. Let me go see what people's opinions were on this big story back in 2008. Like, the archive is a living, breathing thing of ESPN. It's part of its history at this point. And with the paywall, it's I, I I can't remember. Are they taking everything and literally moving it behind a paywall, or is it just new content of certain things that's not breaking news that's going behind a paywall? Um, to the best of my knowledge, any any I'm assuming any journalistic argue like article, like is going to go behind the paywall. So you have to. So if you want to read like other. Other than scores and breaking news, if you want just someone to break down like Clippers, Mavericks on a random uh, July game or whatever, January game next year, you're going to have to go behind ESPN Plus. So like someone like Zach Lowe, like if you want to read Zach Lowe, like you you're gonna have to go behind the paywall for it. So it's it's um it's a really sort of strange kind of thing. Like I think with the regime regime change at ESPN, mm-hmm. um they just they really kind of took the mindset of from their perspective keeping quote unquote politics out of sports. And so they're really just prioritizing just sports and not really opinions. Um, Dan Lebertard, I think he probably has the best, um, the best radio show on ESPN. And he's one of the best personalities at ESPN for the simple fact that he doesn't, he he doesn't take sports as overly serious as everyone else. He like actually pokes fun at the over seriousness of sports and the sports fan. And I truly credit him for making me think about sports in a very different way. Yeah, you've been like, a big Levitar guy for a while. Yeah, I, I can't it's so funny. Like I there's I can't really name any other sort of sports personality that made me think about sports in a way that uh, Dan Lebertard has done and how you know we have people that <laughs> the take it to the effect of what ESPN uh, has created and it's kind of like we we don't really need to take this as serious as it does yes it's perfectly it's perfect things that we can't take seriously but there's a point in time we can just sort of enjoy the sport and his show was going to ESPN Plus. Um, his radio show was going to ESPN Plus. So, are you serious? Uh, that's, yeah. That's awful. I yeah. That. So, so um, they haven't. I don't. I don't know what's even going to happen with their daily 
um, ESPN radio show. Yeah. Um, and like they're like they've really pushed, you know, trying to get the podcast, and they do like a lot of extra content with um, the Dan Levitar show, uh, show and Stu Gotts and the Shipping Container. Um, but to me, Dan is kind of the focal point of you can be smart and have elevated opinions about sports, and then you can take it not serious at all, right? And, like kind of have fun with it. And they're going behind the paywall now, so it's like. The the one person there that the the one person there that I still fuck with on a regular everyday basis, other than I guess Bomani Jones, like is going behind the paywall. And I don't I don't look at pardon the interruption anymore. I don't look at PTI anymore. Uh I, I don't look at around the horn anymore. And it's not because I think those shows are necessarily bad, but they just don't hold my attention anymore. Yeah. Even though they're try not to be as serious as other kind of um at least around the horn around the horn has a sense of humor about itself that i still appreciate when i catch some of the clips every now and then but the thing is if you think about around the horn they still have the format of nothing but bringing on sports journalists with occasionally like stugats or whatever but those journalists don't even even write for ESPN anymore. I think the only person that still writes for ESPN on a regular basis or just at all is Jackie McMullen. And she's a great Jackie. Yeah, she's like a great sports mind. And if she's still gonna write for ESPN, she's not gonna be on a paywall too. So it's like <sighs> like they've taken the best minds, you know, that we have and they put the wall of capitalism up because, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason, I guess live sports doesn't float their budget enough. So it's it's a really kind of hard thing. It's 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 a really bad thing, man. Like I I think the death of sports journalism is basically upon us. And it's not to say that the the journalists are right now aren't good. But how can we even breed a crop of new writers if they don't have access to reading good writing? Right. Right. It's impossible. There's no no way to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's kids out there going to school who's like who might be like, oh, well, I'm going I'm going to be a writer, blah, blah, blah. I'm going I'm going into school for journalism. I'm going to write about sports. And then they finally get to do the sports. And it's it's just completely terrible um, for them when they get out in the world, because everything is turning into talking heads or the writers are going behind paywalls. And it's just really difficult for journalism as a whole, because let's talk about the bigger picture here. Uh, journalism period has taken such a credibility hit in the past five years, just in general, including if we're talking about politics and news and things like that. And for sports to follow suit, it's, it's very, it's very on brand for sports, I suppose, because as, as journalism goes, sports journalism will go. But I also feel like th- this is an opportunity for sports to just one of the few times that sports should stick to sports and tell the story of the sports. And those stories just aren't being told on the same level um, because there's content everywhere. You got Barstool, you got Ringer. Um, that These are places that I know offer free content. Um, you have people who write for Medium. You have people that write for SB Nation and write for those sites. There's constant sports content 
but so much of it feels recycled. None of it feels like it has any kind of personality to it. It's just so bland anymore. And to take that kind of right, take the good writing that has a personality and put it behind a paywall, it doesn't expose, like you said, the younger generation to it. Like we came up, we read, you read the Washington Post. So you, you were reading Kornheiser, you're reading Will Bond. Um, I was growing up reading my local sports reporters cause I didn't have a major newspaper, but um, I also was getting a lot of sports books. I was reading a lot of inf- uh, encyclopedia kind of information, like the Encyclopedia of Basketball. And I was reading Sam Smith's Jordan Rules. So I was reading about these writers, write about sports and what happened and the stories that happened in between the games. And these things are, the, are, are what shaped my idea of what sports journalism is. And without that, it it may very well be the death of sports journalism because everybody's going to think that it not to say that it's easy, but they're, they're going to think that they don't have to put in the work, so to speak, in order to, um, in order to accomplish anything. And that, and that just doesn't work for me. I'll be interested. And maybe you kind of want to ask your wife about this. Mm-hmm. Are there kids that actually want to grow up to be writers anymore? Ooh. Because pot, like, because, Basically, podcasting is the new writing. Like I, like Ooh. I wonder who are, like other than I guess like YA novels. Like, I, what journalists are there for kids to kind of look up to? Like, like when, like when we're in high school, like you know, we could go to magazine stands. Like we can go and get like a Vibe magazine or a Source magazine. Or we could get Slam or Slam, man. Slam was so good. It was way better than it had any right to be. I love Slam magazine, man. So good. There's an avalanche of just different writing and different styles that you could actually gravitate toward. Now, like, what are other, like I said, other than like, like science fiction and YA and those type of novels, like what kind of nonfiction are kids reading these days? That's, I guess it's not like, I guess maybe we all were assigned it in, in school at some point, but there should be some sort of journalism that kids are gravitating toward because I, I can't think of what it is anymore. You know what the new journalism is? It's, it's uh well, not for kids. It's Twitter. It is. It's Twitter for kids. Yeah. That's where that's where kids are getting their news is, is Twitter. And I'm as guilty of it as anyone that I get on Twitter and I hit the magnifying glass and I look at the, the trending s- stories and and I don't and I know exactly where I don't want to go. I don't want to go into the politics section. I don't go into the world news. I don't go into the COVID section. I just kind of look at the things that interest me. And then I just go check out the timeline from there. And that's my main source of news. And then for the older generation, the new Facebook generation, all of, uh, let's say anybody who's our parents age, who has Facebook accounts and spends all their time on Facebook all day long. And this had a lot to do with what happened in the 2016 election and could possibly happen in this election. So much people are on Facebook and believing every single thing that they read on Facebook. And that, and that's where they're getting their news. And that's where the whole fake news comes from, but it's not fake news. Like Donald says it's fake news as in 
these stories aren't real. People are sharing them to their friends and family. They are also believing it, and they're just spreading all these fake stories that don't have any base. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It sucks. It, I hate it. I hate it. So I, I really don't know what nonfiction the kids are reading right now, um, other than Wikipedia. And Wikipedia, we all know, can be changed. Yeah. It's so funny. Like you were talking, we we're talking about ESPN.go.com. I vividly remember what that website used to look like. I vividly remember what WashingtonPost.com used to look like. I remember mm-hmm. what all those rap blogs that we used to go to on a, we used to have the bookmark save. Like I remember all those like different websites and I don't go to I don't go to websites anymore to specifically read anymore. Like I go, I it's the same thing. I I look at Twitter. I see what's being shared on Twitter. If it's something that interests me, I'll save it. And then in a day when I get a chance to read, like I'd like a group reading of a batch of different articles that interest me. But they interest me in that moment, and I don't feel a need to kind of go to their website anymore just to sort of peruse like what they have to offer yeah which which is kind of i think is a testament to maybe an overload of i think we're kind of overloaded with kind of knowledge and not necessarily knowledge we're overloaded with information and it's really hard to decipher what you want to give your attention to because now our attention is pulled in a million different ways oh man and you would have you would have thought that with COVID that maybe would have slowed down, but in a lot of ways it's actually kind of intensified. Like there's, there's so much COVID coverage and there's, then there's coverage of the people that ignore the COVID. And then now there's a third wave of COVID because people kept ignoring COVID mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. And also it's the million reminders to tell you to go vote. Now it's the, kind of now the the polls are creeping in of biden maybe favorited now and it's like and then Don't also leave the height <laughs> and then also it's little wayne saying he is is happy to talk about the platinum plan which sounds mega racist with donald okay. trump all right full stop full stop full stop you you you, you just nailed nailed something we got to talk about so so oh yeah God. Lil, Lil Wayne, and, I, and I'm going to read, read it straight from the source, right from Dwayne Carter's tiny ass mouth. And I'm leaving that in there and letting it hang. Whatever you want to do with it, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's go check out at Lil Toonchi on Facebook. Three hours ago, just had a great meeting with at Real Donald Trump at POTUS. Besides what he's done so far with criminal reform, the platinum plan is going to give the community real ownership. He listened to what we had to say today and he assured he will and can get it done. And one, Donald is so much taller than Wayne. Wayne is obviously little for, for what that's why he's little Wayne, but it's hilarious how comically small Wayne is. Wayne either has a, some kind of mask on that he can pull up around his face, but it looks, it looks like a turtleneck. Because our man is rocking a big old black sweater with a white and red collar. And then he has this gray turtleneck, possibly a mask thing. Maybe some khakis that he wore for the first time today. And he's right there next to Donald. And 
first first reply on there is from Questlove. Questlove says, "What have I, what have I, what have I done to deserve this?" <laughs> and bro, Marcus, Marcus, not to get entirely sidetracked, but we gotta talk about your boy who has been suspect in the past. And I'm not saying he's your boy or my boy, but he is someone who the rap community as a whole respects. This guy is coming out four days before the election endorsing Donald. What the fuck? The only pushback I would say, um, I kind of stopped respecting Wayne when he compared a woman's uh, private area to facial acne getting <laughs> burst. So uh, I, I kind of got out the Weezy game a long time ago. Yeah. And yeah, that. he's in the thing. And it's incredibly wild how he is not wearing a mask next to someone who recently tested positive for COVID. Yeah. That's, and so that's kind of, and his, his fucking dreads are fucking awful. So he's, he's been on strike three. So he's <laughs> out of here. Like there's, there's no redeeming him. There's no redeeming Kanye. Like get these coons out of here. Yo. Yeah. There ain't like, no it's... coming back from that, man. Not, not for anybody, not man. And him and cube, like Cube is supporting Donald, man. That that shit just hurts, man. To see Cube do it. The only thing, and I I never like I don't really like playing like the devil's advocate of like Skip Bayless doing things of like only taking a contrarian belief just for the sake of doing it. The only thing I would say from their perspective. If the president of the United States calls you about and they say, well, the president wants to bring you in for a plan to help black people out. We we want to re- reach out to black people. It's it's extremely hard to kind of say no to that. And the the current president is what he is. And there's no sort of changing that. But the magnitude of the office is if the president summons you 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 basically like have to go or whatever, right? And so I'm someone that fully does not support the president. Nope. But at the same time, like I'm not the same person. I don't have the sort of same responsibilities that uh, Little Wayne or Ice Cube sort of has. And so from their perspective, and I mean, maybe it's like a celebrity thing too, where it's like, you know, he's calling me because I have this sort of following and I can kind of, from my perspective, I think I can do good. And then when they get there, you know, Donald is like glad handing glad handling and he's like smiling and saying, I wanna do good for black people and all this shit or whatever. And it's it's kinda like he should it's just sad that these people just aren't smart to know that they're they're being used by yeah by the president of the United States. Like black people are not getting billions of dollars from this federal government to be better people. Like it's just not what it is. And then, and then <laughs> of all things to call the platinum plan, just give us fucking the Kool-Aid <laughs> footnote and the, <laughs> and the, and the watermelon capper. Like just, just call us jigaboos and get out of our face already. Like, yo, they got these rappers to make the platinum plan to save black people. Like, give me an absolute fucking break. And Ice Cube, Ice Cube's thing was 
he went to Biden and their and their oh well, it's not your administration. He went to Biden's people, and they're basically like, you know, uh, we'll look at it. We'll get at you after the election, whatever, whatever. Which Biden's not in power, so what else can he actually do? But to say that, and then they they took it to Trump's people, and you know they they sent the tweet out, and now Ice Cube looks mad funny in the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And now, and the I think from and from Q's perspective, seeing him on those interviews afterwards, he looked completely stressed because. I think he understood in the moment that he wasn't educated enough to know he was being sold to jig. And it wasn't until he got used that he realized he was used. Right. And now he looks like Boo Boo the Fool. For Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne just completely, well, I mean, and there's a lot of things that Ice Cube was ignorant to. But for Lil Wayne in this kind of situation, he's just proving that he's ignorant to the fact of what this administration will do for him other than using him for a photo op. Yeah. And Wayne has some suspect comments that come out after um, after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Aubrey. He had some suspect comments on his radio show that people weren't a fan of. He went back to that old saying of a white cop saved my life um, when I try to commit suicide and all that. And cops aren't all bad. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of issues here, but just I'm just worried about how many kids out there who don't read the facts because they don't know how to read, don't know how, because they don't know how to read real journalism, or they're not getting fed any kind of real journalism without them having to really do a deep dive on the internet or pay your monthly subscription. Uh, are going to see Lil Wayne, who they like as a rapper. And I don't mean little kids. I mean voting age kids. It's our first election. Or maybe maybe it's our second one. And they don't really know, you know, and their parents love Donald and, and or their parents love Biden or their friends love Biden and their friends, whatever. They don't really know how they want to vote. But if they look up and they see the little Wayne, Wheezy F baby next to Donald Trump, like easy, like what that that that's an easy call. Like if, if Donald Trump likes Lil Wayne, then why wouldn't I vote for Lil Wayne? And this will save me from having the white right Kanye West name on the right end ballot. That's what worries and sp- me. And speaking of Kanye, did you see that he created a video that yes. it had a bunch of teenagers saying, I'm writing in to vote for Kanye in their writing yes. in their mail-in ballots. Yes, that's like not he, where I thought you were going, but keep going because there's something else I, I can tell you about Kanye. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but go ahead. Well, no, I that's what I wanted that. to say. Well, but yeah, like these black men are fucking dangerous. What were we <laughs> going to say? That's the that's the overarching point I was going to make. Little Wayne and Kanye are literally yeah. dangerous to society. What were yeah. we going to say? Con- Kanye, I did see that video and I was deeply disappointed at as as I have been. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make you wait a few minutes because let me let me just take you on a little Kanye journey here. This this show is taking a turn, but that's what happens when you're on with with hyphen Mark Rob and alive on hyphen nation. So listen, man, right before he announced he was running for president, I decided I was finally going to go back and listen to the old Kanye music and try to decide for myself whether or not I could find it in my heart to possibly forgive Kanye enough 
to enjoy his music again. That was the goal of it, right? So I went back and started listening to the old project. So I listened to Graduation. That's not the first project. I listened to College Dropout, Late Registration, Graduation, um, 808s, Watch the Throne. And then I, I was getting ready to go to Yeezus. I had found this great series on YouTube that was breaking down all his albums and who he was at the time and everything. And I had started looking at old interviews and things like that. And I was like, you know what? I might be able to do this and give Kanye a chance again. And like, I'm not, I'm not down with gospel Kanye. That's, that's not the Kanye I want, but if that's what he wants to make kind of music, he wants to make, that's fine. You know, I'm not looking to exonerate him by any means, but I just want to make sure that unlike, uh, he who shall not be mentioned, who used to be called the Pied Piper R&B, um, I would make sure that I can enjoy a Kanye song without feeling immense guilt like I do with with the other guy. And I found I was in a place where I was like, yeah, I can I can enjoy this music. And then he announced he was going to run for the uh, president presidency. And I immediately was like, he's going to fuck things up for any chance that Donald was going to lose. Like, or any chance, yeah, yeah he's going to hurt Biden. He's going to hurt Biden because he's going to get the young people's votes who go crazy for his ugly ass Yeezys. He's going to get the young people's votes who feel like he's God walking the earth, even though he talks like a crazy person. He's going to get people who listen to that long ass podcast he did with Joe Rogan that made no damn sense. He's going to pull them in. And even if he didn't go on the ballots, they're going to go up in there and they're going to go ahead and write Kanye West on the ballot. So I was immediately right back off the Kanye train, and I've been off ever since. But you speaking of Kanye making a video is why I got so excited. On Twitter now, this is live journalism, people. Kanye West surprised wife Kim Kardashian with a hologram of her late father, Robert Kardashian, for her 40th birthday. And you can you can see the man himself right here right here he he made his wife a hologram of her dead father who not only was friends with her godfather Orenthal J. Simpson but then also represented her godfather Orenthal James Simpson in the murder trial that he infamously won in the 90s and he he made this grand gesture of a hologram in 2020 and i i when you said that i thought you had seen it it's fucking ridiculous look look i'm all for honoring the your loved ones memories and stuff and doing something special that for your loved ones that remind them of people they've lost it's a really touching thing but a hologram Am I crazy? Am I am I overreacting to this, or or is this just a a Thursday for Kanye West? Oh no, it's a Thursday for Kanye West. Like <laughs> Kanye is just he's just ridiculous, man. Like I don't like who who wants holograms of people that pass away. Like no, like just just don't. Like and people are already making Ross Geller comparisons to David Schwimmer and stuff because he played him on um, American Crime Story. I mean, that would have been funny. Get older actually would have been crazy if you would have had David Schwimmer do an impression of him for like Kim's birthday. That would have been fucking crazy. <sighs> Man. 
this is the information age, Marcus. This is the age of, of enlightenment, the age of Aquarius. Uh, <laughs> it's the age of bullshit. <laughs> like, this is this is age of darkness. We need some light, man. It's, like it's it's so funny. We have all this, and for like 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 the point I was kind of making before, like. There's so much information out there is really hard to decipher, but I think at some point to assume responsibility for yourself, if you're kind of allowing yourself to kind of be sort of sucked into like the, like the angry side of the internet, like the QAnon shit of the internet, like, like believing in Pizzagate, like there's just something about you that you yourself really need to question. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, we, well, I mean, we've talked about this, I think over the last like four pods we've been on together for your show, but we, we really come to a, a point in time where there's not a lot of black and white. There's, there's either wrong or right. Like there's no, <laughs> from making the right choice to respect human beings and respect people like, there's really no middle ground anymore and people are really just sort of fed up now, man. And it's the, the times we're living in, it's good, scary times. Like these, like when we were in high school, did you ever think we would have like civil rights protests? Just, just think of that question. Not in a million years. Like if you, the, for the listeners, if you went to high school or in public school, anywhere between, like 1990 and like 2005 did you would you ever have thought you would be an adult in the civil rights movement regardless of where you stand like no one no one really could have predicted this like and it's so funny we elected the first black president and we have the civil rights movement after he's out of office like this country is so wild like we the election of a black president, the effects of that caused a massive civil rights movement in America. And, and it also also caused a celebrity to be elected to the White House. Just just imagine like people thought it was crazy that Ronald Reagan, like think about Back to the Future. And when Marty goes back and he asked Marty, who's the president in 1985? And Doc Brown does. And Marty says, Ronald Reagan. And, and Doc Brown says, the actor. And he's like, ha, that's ridiculous. Like, think, think of, like, we're at that level. Like, Ronald Reagan was an actor turned politician. Arnold Schwarzenegger was an actor turned politician back to actor. Um, but to think that they literally elected this dude who has been this icon of greed and and they're they're probably about to reelect this dude who's been this icon of greed and taking what you want by any means and and just being so cutthroat and also going bankrupt several times and once being a part of the USFL to run our country. It it is mind blowing, man. I don't know what 18 year old me would say to the idea of Donald Trump running the country, man. Like, the apprentice hadn't even started when I graduated high school. When you graduated, I think the president, or the apprentice was a thing, because uh, you were a couple years behind me, as you like to point out to me all the time. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane that we live in these times, and that 
we are literally having civil rights unrest for the first time in true civil rights unrest. Not to say that we haven't been black people haven't been getting killed by cops for years because that's a fact, but true civil rights unrest in our day and age when we kind of thought, and this is us being naive, but we thought that we are done with that. Like, like we, the, the battles have been fought and now it's up to us to continue the path. And then eventually these white people accept people like us, brown people, um, Asians, anybody you want to throw out, any kind of immigrant, the white people accept us, the immigrants, anybody that's different from them, and we'll all live in peace and harmony. Like the fact that, yes, after eight years after Barack Obama, that that's total bullshit, it sucks. And I did not, I even the last time, this time last year, there's no way I thought we would be here. No way. It is. It's not. I mean, we elected Schwarzenegger for governor, <laughs> so the and I mean, we we had an actor president in the past, and that kind of speaks to America's problem with celebrity and how we glorify it way more than we actually need to. Right. But a lot of this, a lot of this, the reason we couldn't really predict it is because I don't think. I don't think minorities would have really viewed how lackadaisical democratic vote Democrats are like, th- like this something that I recently thought of that kind of made me figure out kind of what the game really was. It kind of changed our kind of perspective on how politics are. Republicans really treat politics like sport. Like mm. they literally do anything to win like we need player x let's go into the luxury cap to sign them uh we want to make sure that white people are still having their power well let me correct that we want to make sure that white men still have all their power <laughs> let's let's do all of these things to make sure we keep them in power oh black people gay people trans people Brown people, you want to vote? Oh, let's let's do this light, you know, gerrymandering. Let's let's get these light voter suppressions. Let's make registering to vote and mail by voting completely like inaccessible and confusing to a lot of people. Yeah. Like, oh, you live in a you live in a major city like San Antonio, Texas, where you have uh about one and a half million registered voters. Let's only have one place in the entire San Antonio, Texas, in Bear County where uh they can all like do their voting. Well, do not their voting, but um there's only one place in San Antonio and Bear County where literally a million plus people that are registered to vote, if they want to do any kind of like mail-in ballots, they have to mail it to one location in one processing place. Like that's that's voter suppression. And this and I thought this was something they changed this year, but no, this is how it's been done in San Antonio. And so for the 2016 election, there were about 600,000 people that turned out to vote. If you estimate more people vote in this election because of everything that's kind of at stake, that's like three-fourths, if you estimate three-fourths of a million people, like having only one resource to do any mail-in ballots to, that's going to overrun that one place. Like right. it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause errors. Like, like there's no, to the best of my knowledge, there's no like drop. There's no mailbox drop in to to drop ballots off here. Yeah, like, there's not one in Morgantown. 
Not so one that I've seen. So, like, like I said, like the like Republicans are ruthless. Like Republicans really do whatever they can to make sure that they stay in power, and it's always at the mercy of other people. Like, yep. and it and it's and it it's just really wild how Democrats have really been complacent all these years, and how even for Joe Biden, when we see specifically the latest Supreme Court nominee who has she has this position for the rest of her life. Yeah. She's on before this appointment, she's only been a judge for like two years. Yeah. And she's gonna make decisions that's gonna have ramifications literally for the rest of her life. And if she lives like twenty or thirty more years, that's twenty or thirty years that she can fuck up a lot of things for a lot of people in this country. Quite easily. And Joe Biden at this moment, he hasn't publicly announced like what he's gonna do to kind of circumvent this Republican hold of the Supreme Court. Like I I just wish Democrats had more balls. Like I wish Democrats <laughs> like I wish there were Democrats and they are there are some but I wish on a large scale, like, you know, we really just sort of had a reign of, you know, these Republicans are playing hardball. We need to play hardball, too. <laughs> like, right. and, and even like even when they're like Republicans, I know there was like a, a Republican in West Virginia. I forget her name. And, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait until after the election. We're not going to do any voting until after the election. None of these fucking Republicans did shit to, to stop it. Like, it's, and, and, and Trump did it because he knew he had the power to do it. And so there's literally no incentive for him to to wait. And in these Republicans' eyes, it's sort of like, there's no incentive to do right by people if it doesn't benefit us like that's the ultimate jig in this whole yeah. thing like like i said it before like equality isn't equal like white people have to give up power if if this country wants true equality and white people don't want to give it up white men don't want to give that up and it, it's up to the democrats to to take that it's up to the democrats to take this country and to mold it and to put it into something that is is going to be sustainable on a hum on a humanities level for for the people of this country and and until we get that like I'm I'm not like fascinated with any candidate like there's like for me personally like like yes we should all be voting for Biden but I don't see anything about Biden that other than him being a decent, I guess, a decent human being, <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's, there's nothing really exciting about Biden. And that's kind of the terrible thing. Like we have, we have one candidate who's a, who's a racist, who's a bigot, who's a sexist and who's a white supremacist. Mm -hmm. And we have another guy who we call uncle Joe. <laughs> like, who has his own issues in the past. Yeah. But, like, uh, he is the it's, lesser of the two evils because we don't believe him to be pure evil. He's like, what is that? Would that be neutral evil is what Biden is or neutral, whatever that chart is where they, they go through all the, 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 the good, neutral, good, neutral. Like he, he's somewhere in there. And then, of course, then Trump is just pure, pure evil. So, yeah. And so yeah. I, 
I don't I don't really have hope for Tuesday, honestly. And yeah. the funny you know the funny thing is like if Trump loses, and I don't think it's gonna happen. Right. Um if Trump loses, I'm not even really sure how happy that would even make me because it's like, okay, he lost and we have Biden, which is a step up, but then it's like, okay, you know, what about the rest of you know, Texas government is going to do right by my black ass. Right. <laughs> like, like you're in West Virginia. Like, what is the West Virginia government going to do to protect my friend and his his black daughter and his white wife? Like, what, what are they going to do to, like, what are these red states going to do to save my black ass, basically? And so it's, it's not done. Like, none of this shit is done. Like, when Tuesday comes, regardless of the outcome, like, the shit is still not done after that. There's just there's no rest. And that's that's kind of why it's like really kind of overbearing. Like there's no rest in this shit. There there's there's so much more left to do. It's just it's you just want to replace replace the evil at the top is the idea and hope that some of the local elections go go the way that you want them to. Did you already vote? Um no. Uh, because the mailing ballot here is completely fucked. Right. Um, I'm registered, so we'll see about doing the early voting. Um, well, there's only like two more days actually technically early vote for yeah in San Antonio. But um, but yeah, I know election day is gonna be wild. So, um, you know the funny thing is, I'm legit thinking about turning all of my notifications off. It's like not staying off the internet completely, and then when I wake up Wednesday morning, I'll just kind of know who won or who lost, right? Which, which I already know is gonna win, so it's not like yeah, it won't be too big of a surprise, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's not a half half bad idea. Um, I, I feel like that would be a lot better for everybody's stress levels if they would just kind of shut down and just let the process happen, but. Um, I, I just, I said on the last episode that I went and early voted last weekend and Angel actually early voted today because she had, she had, we had gotten mail imbalance, but after, after, you know, I just, I don't trust nothing <laughs> at all, you know, right now. And I was like, man, I'd rather just put it into the machine. And if they tamper with my shit in the machine or whatever, then that's on them. But at least I know what I pushed and then I know what I submitted into that ballot box so hopefully my vote counts. Of course, it all comes down to electoral votes. And somehow we have just done, uh, we've just did a, pol- a political anxiety episode again, right after I just did a last one, which is crazy. I mean, we're not done by any means, but yeah, I mean, election anxiety part two. I mean, we're like two business days from probably the I biggest would... day of 2020 <laughs> next to the day they shut everything down and the NBA. Yeah. Shut, shut down. That was probably the biggest biggest day of COVID was when the NBA shut down. Everybody's like, oh shit. Yeah. I would in our lifetime, it's it's probably this. I think then I wonder if this beforehand, I think Barack's first election, I think that you know the funny thing is I would have went to my grave thinking that Barack's first election was probably like the most important election of our lifetimes. And in a lot of ways it probably is because 
like the chain of react the chain of mental reactions for his reelection and to where we are now. Like if 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 Barack loses that first election, this this country is mad different. I don't yeah. know if it's better, but it's very different <clears throat> for um, sure. It's kind of like the butterfly effect, and so I I think this is probably the most important election of our lifetime because I, I legit don't know what four years uh what the next four is going to look like but um i told cat and i left it on the intro for our episode a little bit like regardless of the outcome it's really just about doing good by people that love you mm-hmm. and sticking close together as close as possible yeah and sure knowing that even if you even if you can't trust the executive branch of the government, really just try and live your kind of best sort of life and try to take it one day at a time because like this, I think everyone's overwhelmed with something in their life. Like I, I don't know a single person that doesn't have something going on in their life. Like it's COVID is death from COVID. It's, it's death from just overall, like it's trauma, it's stress, it's depression. Mm -hmm. It's, lack of sleep it's shitty shitty podcast with joe buttons like there's just a lot of shit out there in the world that it's it's hard like life is hard and so really do by really do good by the people that love you man and 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 god willing they'll do right by you back and that's that's really all we can kind of ask for right now Okay, Jack, this is a We Should Do This Again Sometime podcast ad, take one. In a world where laughter was king. No in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of podcast. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... Nah, I don't think so. In a land before time. Jack, this is a cartoon movie, and we may get to it if you use that. Uh, can you say We Should Do This Again Sometime is hosted by Kat Chinetti and V. Mark Rob, please? One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What, what does that mean? When everything you know is wrong. Okay, bro, that's enough. We should do this again sometime with Cat and Mark coming to a podcast app near you. Someone get this guy out the booth, please. No, I like it in here. Well, well said, because that's exactly what I try to say at the end of every episode of Hyphenation is, uh, you know, uh, try to have a genuine interactions with people because you never know what the next man or woman is going through and your kindness could save their life or someone else's life. So it's um, and that's that's more of a, a stranger take. But then I also say give the people in your life their flowers and punch your sister and hug your mom and stuff like that. Punch your sister's a joke, by the way. No one's called me out on it yet. But uh, complete joke, guys. Don't punch your sister. Um, Yeah. Oh, we're we're just doing current events because did you see your your boy jump off got COVID? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. No, no. <laughs> Trevor, wait, you... Trevor Lawrence has COVID. Does he does he have COVID? It broke while we were starting the podcast. It broke um Good thirty Lord, minutes man. ago. So Trevor Lawrence, he. These... Let me say something off the top, man. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, speedy recovery, but fuck the NCAA, man. Fuck it so hard. I I hate this shit. Like, they they can't even... Basketball, they're trying to get basketball going, and I keep hearing that they can't even 
get teams to travel because they all got COVID because these are a bunch of kids. And then you have all these numerous conferences that have decided, oh, we can play college football. Let's do it. And then they're, they've had to cancel uh, cancel whole-ass games because they they don't have enough players to field. And the NFL, while it has its issues every single week with COVID, somehow, because these are grown-ass men, they're kind of keeping it in check, I guess is the best way to put it. But all these college kids, like they they don't, you, you can't tell them nothing. They're going out there. They're seeing their friends. They're not wearing a mask. They're, they're partying whenever they can get away with it. And they're just being super spreaders all over the place. And the NCAA is only thinking about the fact like, man, we lost March Madness, guys. We really got to get these sports back out there. We really got to get these kids back out there. And now we got... And now the Clemson quarterback uh, now has COVID, man. That's, that's, uh, I hate the NCAA. Hate it. So about 30 minutes ago, CNN reported at least 87,164 new coronavirus cases were reported in the United States on Thursday. The highest number of new cases in a single day since the pandemic began. This country's response to this pandemic has been absolute fucking shit. Absolute shit. Aren't they like over in um, like where where was um, where was like Ground Zero? Like not well, that was like Hong Kong. Is that where it really first broke out? Um, um, because it was it was China, then it was Italy. But I don't right. I don't know the order. I don't remember the order, and I'm I'm not gonna call it the Chinese virus. So no, that's not what I'm trying to say either. But I'm I'm pretty sure yeah. that when it started, it, it it was somewhere in Asia where it started. Like, aren't they like back to normal and walking around and they don't have to wear a mask and life has uh, from like isn't all that like over with over there? Or, or am I crazy? Because I thought for sure I had read something that at least over in Asia things had gotten a little bit better. Uh, China. I I read. I believe I read somewhere last week. China reported, like, there was a day where it did a testing and they only reported like one new case. And yeah, it was they in were, Wuhan. That's right. They were starting to, um, like it kind of get back to normal. Um, but I know there's one city. I think it's. I forget the city in Europe. It's a major city. I think it's maybe Barcelona or somewhere. Um, they're doing strict lockdowns. I like they like just started doing strict lockdowns because of a fear of a new wave, and they're doing like massive lockdowns at like seven like seven o'clock at night or some wild shit like that. Which I wish we would have taken a stance in that kind of way, but. I mean, we're we're currently in the third wave right now, so yeah. So yeah. Um, and Do you remember it, on not to interrupt you, but you remember on Twitter, like maybe a week or so into quarantine, when they kept saying the National Guard was coming to make sure people were staying in their houses and stuff, and it never actually happened. No, I like I I I never saw that. I wouldn't have thought that was true. Like, I didn't I didn't think it was I didn't think it was true. But that's what that's what people were talking about. The National Guard's gonna come and make and lock us in our houses. 
Blah blah blah. I mean, I think from this podcast we've established that people are dumb. So, <laughs> can I name the podcast that people are dumb? Oh, go ahead, please go ahead. We've established people are dumb. That would be hilarious because since we're recording this, um, and I'm actually going to be able to get it up on Tuesday on time. I literally can drop at midnight on Tuesday. People are dumb. <laughs> Hyphenation one seventy three. <laughs> <laughs> Your job as soon as the election results come in, boy. Bam. So um, <laughs> the funny thing is, the, the we should play like a game. So I'm down. <laughs> oh, do you want to play Among Us? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Oh, fuck that bullshit game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we may not even know the results of this for a while, but I mean, we can go over under percentage of white people that vote <laughs> for Trump. <laughs> Oh my god! We could break it down. Like, I, so let's play it now. So, okay, over let's under, do it. Over under white men percent percent of white men that vote for Trump. Let's set the over under at sixty. I kind of I gotta make it hard. Sixty. Just set the over under at. I'm gonna write this down too, just so we track this. Hell yeah, you need to write something these days. I know. So <laughs> the over under for white men that vote for Trump. Let I'm gonna set it at sixty four and a half percent. Okay. Uh, I'm going. I'm taking it over. Oof. I'm oh. taking over really, real hard on that one. All right. How about how about yourself, sir? Where would you like to place your bet? I am. I'm gonna go over too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go over. Hell too. yeah, you want to go over? All Hell right. yeah, you do. Okay, white women. Voting for Trump. Now it was it was it was it was fifty three. Was it fifty three or fifty six last year or last election? I think it was fifty three. I think it was fifty three too. Uh, well, fifty three and a half. Well, no, no, we gotta make it. Let's go. Um. Actually, yeah. Fuck it. 53. We'll set the over under at 53. Okay. Um, I think he... I think it's going to be under 53. I think it'll be close to it, but I think it's going to be under 53. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that women have a little bit more sense. So that white women have a little bit more sense. But not by much. Uh, I'm going over. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yo, you know what? If if it increases, yo, <laughs> if it increases a double white people, <laughs> if it increases, I'm done with white people. I, I you're, gonna, so- you're gonna like schedule a time with Cat, and she's gonna get on and be like, "Hey, Cat, uh, just to let you know I'm done with white people, so the podcast is over." <laughs> it's gonna the last episode title. Mark is done with white women. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's what the episode title is going to be like. Oh 
my god. Oh shoot. Do do we want to make over under? Well, I don't know what the. It's kind of hard to kind of figure out electoral college votes. Yeah, um, there's no way in hell. What what else fun thing can we vote on? Uh, what I, what time the concession speech will be given by Joe Biden? Like we can do. Oh, we have to do that. Okay, let's do yeah. that. That's a good one. Thanks, thanks. I, so before I, one a.m. or after one a.m. Oh. Nice. I know the time is going to happen. I I know the exact time is going to happen. So, I think it's going to happen about. I think about ten thirty Eastern. Mm. I think I think that's when I think I think that's when the tweet comes. Had a good run. I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's going to be 11. I think it'll be 11 when they officially call it in the concession oh, gotta, speech happens. You got to call the times, and we got to be oh, great. Here. It will be. It will be 11. Um, he's in Delaware, so it'll it'll be 11 Eastern. Um, right when the, all the 11 o'clock news are starting on the East Coast, he uh, Biden will be conceding the election. Oh, and and just FYI for anybody who um who if, if there's some kind of thing that happens on Tuesday and Joe Biden wins the election, um, I will guarantee you I'll lay bats to bucks that Donald will not concede the election on election. Ooh, okay. Like, he will not concede at all. That's we we writing this down too. Yeah, if if we wake up Tuesday and Joseph Biden of Delaware is the president, Donald is not, and I repeat, not conceding at all. Um on Ooh. on the night of the election or in the early morning hours of the election. And I'm saying like up until noon of November 4th, he will still have not conceded the election. I want to say he will just uh, spice it up, but this this man kind of has no grace and no dignity at all. No. So I'm I'm going to go I'm gonna go no. I'm gonna go a hint of uh, rigged election. I want to go a hint of fake voters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna throw a good old um a a big old pinch a big old pinch of of uh of white male voters who are not counted in these polls that have Joe Biden leading the thing right now. I'm going to throw that in there. That's that's a terrible pinch. You, you said it is a terrible pinch, but this is the, this is the I world I live that. in Marcus. This is the I world I live in. I drop bomb this, all the time. I'm writing this no comma space pinch of too many words. Uh, <laughs> so what's, is there anything else? worth that we kind of have like um for the election uh how many how many times the overrunner got to be i would say one and a half how many times cnn does not how many times fox news does a rudy giuliani interview on election night over how many times? Let's check in with Rudy, the the crypt keeper Giuliani, to see how, how found the Hunter, Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Marcus! 
this is this is the world we live in, and it sucks so bad. I mean, hey man, this is like this is why we have to make these type of bets, man. Like, to, just to keep shit interesting, man. Well, let's pivot from the the sadness and the disparity and the anxiousness of the election. And we 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 went in because we went from sports journalism to Wayne to to Kanye to the election. Uh, we we've we've got our show, but um, I, I do want to spend a few minutes talking about Grantland still. If you're cool with that, um, yeah. we don't we don't got to go in it as depth because I thought we were going to be uh, going to be what the show's based on. But ladies and gentlemen, just like they say in sports, that is why you play the games and that is why you record the podcast to see what happens. So we here. But yeah, if you're not familiar, Grantland.com was founded by Trash Simmons. I mean, Bill Simmons. And Hold on, is Bill is he officially trash now? Can, can I, we can we talk about this? Because I cut out I cut out a part on me and Kat's recording talking a little bit about this. <laughs> oh, you got a deleted to... scene about Bill Simmons? Well, I literally had to delete it because I didn't want the Spotify algorithm to get us. But yeah, said it. Cat said it, didn't she? No, she has was, no clue. Okay, she I no wasn't. Clue she from Boston, though. Like, she from the area. Maybe she knew. Maybe her well, dad knows him. You never know. She's she's in the sports, but I don't think she ever read Bill Simmons. But what were you gonna okay. say about Simmons? Um, he's he's officially washed, man, and he has he has what he has rebuilt his career after everything that happened at ESPN. And he took the HBO money and he tried to do the TV show, didn't work. But then he he built the Ringer. And he got his podcast back going again. And he just got so good at delivering these pods. And then he stumbled onto things like the rewatchables and other quality content that doesn't take much effort. That he he just really stopped being in touch with sports and life in general, man. Like even before the pandemic, like the only things that Simmons did, like he went to the office, but then he come home and he would well, he'd be taught, watching whatever watch was going on, or he'd be watching Shawshank for the five million time. Then he's got his kids running around. His youngest kid is a total asshole. Total asshole. Marcus Simmons is letting his kid, um, and his Ben, he's letting Ben Simmons, his kid, gamble on I mean, like sports book, on like um on uh on the sports apps. He he's he set him up an account. He the kid's 14. And letting him gamble. So just, just like he plays fantasy football and he's letting him gamble and and already get him started very early in a very dangerous vice that has ruined many lives, Marcus. Um, and then just outside of bad parenting, like if you listen to any of his podcasts, he's still an excellent does an excellent job interviewing people because he actually is interested in what they have to say. And normally the guests he has on um, or, or people that with interest in projects or just something he can kind of go off of there. He's still a great interviewer, not taking anything away from that. But when it comes to the sports takes, they're just horrible. Like up until, until like the baseball restart or the baseball season in the playoffs, he was saying baseball was dead. And then just a few weeks ago, he's talking about how baseball's back now because they shortened the season. He's completely pivoted on that. His football takes are horrible. Um, 
it, like he just regurgitates the same stuff over and over and just inserts different names here. He doesn't ha- he doesn't do research anymore. And this speaks to sports journalism when he was writing all the time and was actually researching in order to do his his pieces and his articles. When he did his podcast, he sound more informed. He stopped writing about what five years ago or so. It feels like. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think he's has he ever written anything for the ringer? Very, he's never, let's see, damn. I think he, I think he has. He wrote, he wrote a, um, the Marcus Cousins piece, if I remember correctly, because it was right before the, the Kings traded the Marcus to the Pelicans. And he wrote this fictional piece, because you know how he would do those fictional pieces about, and kind of make up the stories he went along, and some of them were good and some were bad. But he did this fictional piece about the Marcus getting traded to the Celtics and what would happen for the Celtics down the line. Uh, and then we would championships, everything like that. And then I think he came back into the second piece talking about what would happen if he didn't get traded. Then he was supposed to bring back his trade value column and they had this big rollout for it. And he wrote the first article and then he never came back to touch it again. And it literally is the last thing he's written on a ringer. It's been like three years. Uh, I think he said he didn't write the trade volume column anymore because Someone at ESPN or some other publication, they did the. Oh no, I'm thinking of something else. But um, yeah, because they the Ringer had a big rollout. Like there was a special section of the website and everything just dedicated to trade value because he was going to lay for Pablo. It it was going to be a living, breathing thing where he was going to be constantly updating it and writing new things about why people change slots and everything like that. He had this big old idea and he just never came back to it. And because. He's just gotten so good at repeating the same stuff over and over and people just tuning in because of who he is and who he used to be. That is why Spotify gave him the bag and bought the ringer. And now he he's he's really sick. Like Simmons wasn't worried about money. Like even after ESPN thing, he wasn't hurting for money. He was like one of the best paid ESPN employees ever because he he always kind of he was like the rebel who everybody wanted to see, everybody wanted to read. So even after ESPN split, he was good. HBO came and gave him a bag. He started a ringer. He did any given Wednesday, which failed, like I mentioned. And then he's just been kind of living off that for a while. Now Spotify money's here, man. He don't have to work hard again the rest of his life. He can just sit there and and let his nephew poorly edit his podcast or engineer his podcast. Like Marcus, did I tell you that one day I was listening to a show that had him and um and had uh his that one dude I don't fuck with anymore who does who does his bat normally they talk about basketball or whatever. Ball and, yeah, yeah. And the guy Ryan literally said yeah, he was literally like, hey, take this out of the pod. I'm going to restart right here. He goes, one, two, three. And he starts talking again. His nephew, Kyle, Bill's nephew, Kyle, didn't even edit shit out. Just left it. And everybody's just like, oh, that's just, that's, Kyle's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And that's acceptable because of the the level of laziness that exists with Simmons. And then if we get into his business practices with, how the ringer isn't as diverse as he was claiming when he came out and was like, yeah, the ringer is very diverse. And then he was like, they can't all have podcasts and everything. Everybody don't get to be the star player. That's not the exact quote, but that was the gist of it. And 
he he's just made a lot of mistakes, especially since COVID happened, that have made him look extremely vulnerable. And I've lost a lot of respect for him. And I I loved Bill Simmons, man. That was my guy for years. He's the reason I discovered Grantland. And to see him fall so far and yet be so cushioned by so much money, it makes me sick. So yeah, Bill's trash. Um, so so Spotify owns I know so yeah, Spotify just bought the ringer completely. Yes, yeah, Spotify like, bought three months ago. All of the ringer. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so if you listen to any of the latest stuff, they they go out of their way to say, you know, we're if you want to find anything in the archives, it's all Spotify exclusive. Yep. Um as I far feel bad as, for the person who had to contact all those podcatchers and be like, take our shit down. Um, someone had to do it. As far as Bill being trash now, um, I mean, maybe that's kind of who he was. Like, like a lot of people feel like money, money doesn't change you. It just kind of amplifies you to do things that you would have done already. And I mean, the money that he was getting from, uh, you know, HBO, which, you know, buoyed the ringer. And I'm guessing like money from his gambling also. Um, <laughs> A lot of gambling. I mean, that, yeah, like I, I'm pretty, I don't, he's probably never admitted this, but I'm fairly certain he is a professional gambler. He is. So, so yeah, but that's, but that's, yeah, but that's neither here nor there though. Yeah. yeah. Like him being trash now, I don't know. Like, I think Grantland was so important to us that we could kind of concede, or maybe it's just certain things kind of just like weren't on the surface. Like, I Grantland was so important to me is because I found probably my favorite writer, my favorite living writer there, the Wesley Morris. Like, I found one of my favorite like internet personalities who happens to be a great writer in Rumber Brown there, you know, reading Bill's columns back then. It felt very, it felt very interesting, even though it wasn't the quality of it wasn't necessarily that good, but he was kind of doing something that I could see not through him specifically, but the brand of Grantland in general, just having this sort of commitment to excellent journalism. Mm-hmm. And yep. that was something about Grandland that I always appreciated. And going back to when I was saying that, like, you know, I think I said it, but, you know, I remember what Grandland.com used to look like with the baseball player in the suit hitting, yes. the, hitting the ball in the empty Fenway I, Stadium. Not to interrupt you, but I love the look of that damn website. It was just so freaking clean. And then you had your the big story, whatever the big the big post was, we had the big image, and it was just black and red everywhere. And it 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 just looks so clean. It it literally invited you to hey, open this link and read me. You know that's the feeling I always got when I went to Grandland. Yeah, and he introduced like a lot of talent that's still doing a lot of good work now. And I don't listen to I don't listen to specifically Bill anymore. Uh, the only real time that I kind of listen to Bill. Um, he did like a couple of interviews with Jackie Mack 
over the over the postseason NBA mm-hmm. finals, which I was in all honesty, I was tuning into it because it was specifically Jackie Mack. I watched some of the Incredibles um pod that he did with Ryan Wusillo and some of it was okay, but let me I was so disappointed in those in those like I was listening hardcore like in that time when they were going back and watching the old bull like the bull stuff as the last dance was happening. And they would pick out a game and they watch the game. They talk about the game for a few minutes and also fuck Ryan Marcillo, like full stop. Just want to say that because he was part of that whole thing about, Oh, the, the looters are stealing shoes in my, uh, my LA neighborhood. And, uh, that's not what this should be about. Uh, fuck you, Ryan Marcillo. You have no idea what we're going through. Um, but let me, let me, let me get back to my point. Uh, they do, they pick the, the games and they sit down and watch them and it's like, all right, they're going to break down this this great game, everything. And they they would just kind of bullshit their way through it the whole time. And I was just really disappointed every single time when they would do that. I know there was no sports, but it's like, look, guys, you said we're going to cover this game. Cover the fucking game instead of doing what you're doing. Like, Ugh, they, they I, love the sound of their voices so much. It's ridiculous. Well, I looked at it through their YouTube channel. So if yeah. they... It may have worked because they're actually showing footage of the game while they were talking about it. So Chad maybe now. maybe it works better as a visual medium than just like a podcast medium. But even still, I wasn't subscribed. So if it came on my feed, I maybe would watch it. Maybe not. I think I only watched maybe three of them. So I wasn't it wasn't something I was closely paying attention to or like close trying to follow or whatever. But yeah. But the overall point is like I don't you know I don't go to that's kind of the thing about Simmons like Simmons introduced all these good writers that were way better than him yes and so it's just better to just go to them as a source so it's like so it's like it, even if Bill and maybe that's why Bill never finished that trade volume situation because it's like. He's not really a good writer. Like he's, <laughs> like he's, like, and it's not. I know really, you don't mean it as a joke, but it, it sounded funny the way it came out. He's he's not that good of a writer. Yeah, like I mean, if you if you like, because I like can even visualize like just the way his columns would look. And I remember when I was um, still in Morgantown and reading his shit like in between breaks of my shitty job right. I just remember being wow this is very very long I'm taking a long time to read this long ass you know email column but it's like you know Simmons Simmons the best part of Simmons is him giving other people's voices and that that hasn't changed like him still featuring Shea Serrano him with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concession and uh, Chris Ryan and Sean Fennessy, you know, those are, and like, and also I guess he, he kind of has like other writers there who are kind of trying to emerge and trying to find their own voices right now. But even from the grand light days. So now been, been, uh, Bill Simmons best thing has always been putting other people on. It was never really about himself being the one that was the best. Like, cause even, even in all the rewatchables, especially if it's more than if it's bill and at least two other people, 
the other two people are probably going to be more interested in Bill on those episodes. And it's not Facts. to say like, and it's not to say that Bill is completely worthless. Like I don't think that at all. But I think there's a reason that he leans on Wesley Morris from time to time to pull him in for the watchables because Wesley is so articulate and so thoughtful and so smart. He'll pull from like a well of pop culture knowledge and just intelligence in general to make thoughtful points. Like he'll have um like uh Chris Ryan and Sean Fennessy on an episode with him. <clears throat> and then they have such a wealth of knowledge about pop culture too that they pull from interesting stuff when Bill kind of lacks in it. And yeah, Bill Bill he'll make, you know, good points from time to time, but I'm always drawn to the other people outside of Bill than just Bill. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you can really say somebody has, if they're trash now, if that's always what they've been, maybe <laughs> they've just always been trash, and now we can just finally admit it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I did, the, the very first Simmons article I read, though, ever in my life, was his Eddie career career Eddie Eddie Murphy career arc article, and that's how I discovered Grantland, and that's how I discovered Bill Simmons, um, and I was I just always was impressed with him. I was like, that's that's the voice that I kind of want to write in, and and looking at it through the lens, uh, like yeah, I don't think that was the voice I was looking for <laughs> necessarily. Um, so so you're probably right. Maybe he wasn't. He was just a bit overrated his whole career, and then. I just had a higher expectation than what was actually there. You know, maybe he wasn't capable of being on the level that I thought he was. It happens. I mean, and I used to listen, I used to listen to the BS report a lot. And I still remember the episode. I remember the episode that basically got him fired from the Cadell episode. I, yeah. I, I, I actually, I remember exactly kind of where I was. I was, I was getting off my shift. I was waiting for a bus the bus, uh, the bus stop was, uh, it was. It's not High Street. I think it's Spruce. It's where, um, it's where the courthouse is. Yep, and Spruce the, Street. Yep. Yeah. And so I was waiting there, and then I vividly remember, like, wow, he's really going after Goodell right now. And the BS report, like, he was, and actually going back to early when I was saying, like, I only listen to only two solo podcasts now. Like that was one of the podcasts I used to listen to when it was a solo person on it, but he would find ways at points to bring in interesting people from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's kind of like Bill. I don't. I don't really listen to like his center podcast uh, when it's just kind of by himself, um, and and also a lot of that I would I would concede has to do with I'm not into football anymore. Uh, I'm not into I'm pro football with you, anymore. Bro. I'm kind of with and you, so, man. And so, I, like, you wouldn't, like, if you're not into pro football, you're not going to listen to him with Cousin Sal. Um, yeah. And you're not going to listen to him uh, with, the, with the guy from D.C., uh, Joe House. Joe House, yeah. Um, shout, out, shout out to House, though. House is a, he loves to eat and he loves to get drunk. So we have some things in common there. <laughs> <laughs> he so, probably yeah. supports Donald though. So well, yeah. Um I don't I don't know what his political leanings are. I it's just funny. had to get that in there. He well Simmons I think Simmons said for twenty sixteen 
he kind of hinted that he did not vote for Donald, but he would have his one friend on, I think he grew up with, who was a Yankees fan. And oh, that's, he was um, like, I know who you're talking about. I can't, uh, his, I'll, I'll think of his name maybe. I, don't I know, know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, he's not anyone like popular or famous or even kind of noteworthy, honestly. But no, but I, I remember I listening to him a few yeah, times. Yeah, I remember him being. He was a Republican, so I mean, there's people that it kind of is no circle that are Republicans, but that's kind of like, but that's kind of the thing, like you know, white people can afford to be friends with Republicans and not, and then not being a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like white people. It is people, what it, it is. Yeah, man. So, um, oh yeah, um, also Rosillo, um. Oh, did I did I lose it that quickly about Rosillo? I was going to say something else about him being. Oh, okay, I came back. So Rosillo, um, also totally cop to not voting for Hillary in 2016. So, yeah, fuck you, Ron yeah. Rosillo. Oh, it's awesome. But I I, I do want to. What what were you saying about Rosillo? Uh, I was saying it's not surprising. Like, like for like legit. Like, I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, if if a white man tells me he he voted for Trump, like that's not surprising. Like, yeah. Like in a lot of ways, white white men and white people in general, because I don't want to let white women look for this also. But white people understand the power of their whiteness is, and the Republican Party is all about maintaining and establishing their whiteness and white power. So, and I don't want to, and I say white power, I don't mean like, you know, mind comf and all that, but at the same time, like (laughs) white supremacy is still white supremacy. And that's what, that's what their party specializes in. Yeah. It's like LeBron James can, he specializes in driving to the hole. Republicans, Republicans specialize in killing abortion rights for women and, and trying to shoot down Roe versus Wade. Like it's, it is what it is. And get rid of uh get rid of gay marriage. Let's throw that in there too. Why not? Yeah. So it's it's not surprising that. I mean, if Bill Simmons, if he came out that he voted for uh for Trump, that that wouldn't be really surprising to me at all. So No, not not anymore. So it it, it just sucks when somebody you look up to, which I definitely looked up to Simmons, um, and that's another reason why I held him in so high so high of a regard sucks when you see them fail and fail very hard. So that that's essentially what it comes down to. I got my feelings hurt. You may have to write the same way I wrote when rappers on heroes, you may have to write when podcasters on heroes. I could write a book on that one, fam. There's a lot of people out there who um who I used to think were dope and now they're not dope anymore for various reasons. Um I do want to highlight one particular Grantland piece real quick. It's actually on my stream right now. I got it up here. Um, you talked about Rembert Brown, and Rembert was literally in college. He was in grad school, I think, at Brown, don't quote me, when uh, Simmons reached out to him. And he went to, he moved out. Well, yeah, he eventually moved to L.A., and he did a lot of work for Grantland and mostly it was the funny content. And the great thing about Grantland, Grantland had all your sports coverage. It had your your um oral histories of various movies and different sporting events, but then it also had a lot of funny content and, and entertainment stuff. And Rembert would literally go through music videos and just highlight the funny parts. And I would just die laughing. Like he took Dancing in the Street with 
Um, let's see. Uh, let's see if I can remember this without looking it up. It had it was David Bowie, and then it had um, the dude from the Stones, Mick Jagger. They had done a video of dancing in the streets together in the 80s, and Rembert watched his video, and he literally just typed this article, literally making fun of the whole thing. It was awesome. It was 100% awesome. And they decided in, let's see, let me bounce over to that screen. They decided in 2013, maybe, that they were going to send Rembert across America, like literally. Yeah, it was the summer of 2013. And and so Rembert was literally writing from the road. It was called Rembert Explains America. He went all over the place. Um, and literally just kind of maintain this journal of what he did over this time frame. And he went to Burning Man. Now, if you don't know Burning Man, Burning Man is a festival that takes place in the Southwest and the desert. It is a week long festival and literally you're, you're, you're a part of the land at that point. I'm not going to go in great detail to try to explain it because then I'll have to do Inter, uh, podcasting 101 don't want to do it just go look at burning man if you want to know exact details but he went there and he, he spent a week there and just kind of again journaled his his travels throughout it and i was absolutely floored by how well this piece came out it was called burning man forever uh by Rembert brown Rembert now works for twitter and he's he's done quite well for himself since the grandland days but i opened this up about once a year to reread it because um, th- this, this is the kind of art of a uh, writer that I aspire to be because while Rembert was always known as being funny and doing the outcast bracket and the Jay-Z bracket, the fact that when it came down to it and he had to do some, do some serious writing, I don't want to call it journalism, but it was partially journalism, but do some serious writing. I just thought it was super awesome, uh, that he was able to create something like this. So I just wanted to highlight that and Grant, Grantland is one of the reasons that um, I'm here doing this now because, I mean, I always thought, I mean, I, obviously you know, I knew Simmons was famous and he decided to start Grantland with ESPN money. It was part of ESPN. But it was the Grantland, to me, was a bunch of sports rebels, entertainment rebels who came together to to uh, make this site and make it the best it, it could be. And up until the day that it was closed five years ago, it, it was a quality site. And then when the ringer opened up and I was thinking, oh, we're going to get more Grantland. And then it wasn't more Grantland. Plus it was way shorter content. Um, it, it just wasn't the same. But so it was always a special feeling to be able to go open up Grantland and see it would have been posted in a couple hours. It had been since I visited it. Um, and it, it just it, it just held a special place in my heart for a long time. And I hated it. it ended the way it did, but it was kind of inevitable once Bill got fired. So, yeah, that was all I wanted to say about Grant Lane, pretty much. <laughs> no, I remember the series that um that Rimber did for for them as far as like just um, getting in a car and just kind of going or whatever uh, yeah. by himself. Um, I kind of knew that. I kind of had a feeling the jig would be up. When Wesley Morris didn't transition to the ringer, and I think it was, I think it was sort of shortly afterwards announced. Actually, or maybe he left before they officially closed. But when Wesley Morris went to become um, an editor at New York Times, like when he left, there was sort of like a gravitas that kind of left them. 
Yeah. Uh, so I I kind of knew like the writing wouldn't really be there for me anymore. Uh, I Sean Sean Fantasy, who I listen to a lot. I listen to his podcast a lot. Um, on uh, yeah, the Big I Picture do like Fantasy. I do like Fantasy. I like Chris Ryan. Um, I I like uh, Mallory Rubin. I like um. I can see his face. Shay Shea Serrano. Uh, obviously, we're both fans of him. I, I like his work. Um, who's who is Mallory's co-host on the bench? Whose name I'm missing? Jason Concepcion. There it is. I like his work. I like his stuff that he does with NBA Desktop. There's lots of things to like about the Ringer. Um, that other than Bill Simmons, I just do want to lay that out there that it's not just coming down to him. Well, no, I was the point I was going to make was for Sean Fantasy. Like he's. He used to write a lot. I don't I don't necessarily know if he writes anymore. The last thing I remember him writing, well, I think he actually does write. Um, the last thing I remember him writing was a review for Waves, and he loved the movie Waves, but Waves was not good. And so, <laughs> like, yeah, like, I mean, everyone kind of, I mean, I wrote in defense of the last season of Game of Thrones, and you know, a lot of people hated that, so can't necessarily fault him for liking a movie that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, it's kind of like you know, um, if some like he's editor in chief over there, and so how often is he actually writing now? So yeah, he, he probably didn't have very much time to dedicate to, especially now with the podcast and everything. It's probably a lot to take on. Yeah. But yeah, man. Um, so sports journalism, it's uh, it's, it's kind of dying. It's kind of dead. Yeah, it's gonna so. be behind a paywall. ESPN Plus. Better get that Di- that Disney Plus and um Hulu package to go with it, so you can so you can read your boy Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe <laughs> used to write for Grantland, man. Grant Zach Lowe, you and Bill Barnwell used to just blow my mind with their football and NBA material, man. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was mind blowing, and now they're going behind a paywall. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, what a man. time to be alive, man! So, me and Marcus have ran the gamut, man. We started out coming talking about sports journalism. We we bounced over to politics. We talked about Grantland a little bit. We tried to figure out Bill Simmons is trash. Played a couple games, had a good time here. <laughs> um, as always, Marcus, it's always a pleasure to have you join me there sir so um i'm going to go ahead and um start rolling off some of the outro stuff and you can just join in where you want to um who's, let me just who's going to be the show who's going to be the show sponsor now i was the last episode that so the last episode was the last mark rob sponsor no i was just saying that you stopped writing is the main no thing. no you said this is the this is the last you said it <laughs> you said this is the last how can episode. i be sponsored when the writer doesn't want to write anymore it's oh so we agree but i'm asking you who who is going to be the new sponsor of hyphen nation that's the real question um i don't know maybe maybe i can get paid by uh dr pepper how, how about you sponsor your boy Oh, sounds real barfalicious. It's it's um, real barfalicious, but uh, come die, Doctor Pepper, come give me some money, man. This cherry is it's okay, it's okay, man. 
I was going to say, I'm so, even though I'm taking a hiatus from public writing, what, what about you? When, when are you going to start writing again? That's, that's what the people really want to know. Uh, I wrote, I wrote too much. I I hit a hundred. It's funny. I hit, I did the Dart Adams. I hit a hundred and that was it. A hundo. A hundred. Shout out the Dart, man. I still can't believe I actually, I made it to a hundred posts. Like I had a It's blog. crazy, right? Yeah, I, I I had a blog for it's a while. My my blog, <laughs> my God, my blog lines up with the first Trump administration. <laughs> I had it for four years. I had a blog for four it, years. It does, it does. And there's a Tumblr out there, ladies and gentlemen. If you really want to dig deep with your boy Mark Rob, uh, you, well, that the Tumblr will not be publicized. If you if you got to do some real stalking to find that Tumblr, um, it won't be hard, honestly, but. It's not really that hard. Like you can legit go through my writings. You'll I link it somewhere in there. But the four years I had writing that blog, it really, I think in a lot of ways, it kind of saved my life. In a lot of ways, I think that it really gave me a balance to be creative, especially when I was working shitty jobs mm-hmm. and I needed a creative outlet and. I needed to to prove to myself that I could write, even though I, I have a shitty time of editing myself. I wanted the challenge. It was something that I regretted. I regretted not being an active member or active journalist during the blog era. I always regretted that. And this blog, even though it's closed, well, that's hiatus or whatever you want to call it, like, Making these hundred posts to me, it's an accomplishment, and I'm really proud of the work that I did. As you should blog. be, and I think it's, I think it's probably the best thing I ever did in my entire life, as far as like a creative outlet. Like I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever topped that. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I in actually the the weekend that you know I kind of decided to close. I I really kind of went through like a mourning period because it was kind of like. Closing yeah, that chapter. it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. Yeah, like closing that chapter of my life. Now it's kind of like what was kind of the next adventure, and podcasting has has been really fulfilling from a creative sense, but writing it's like a real beast of its own, and so there there's there's two different satisfactions from writing and podcasting where writing is something I've done literally my whole life. Podcasting is only something I've done for like a couple, like my own podcast. I only did that this year. Right. And, and you know, being co-host uh, with you occasionally, like that's something I, I've done sporadically for the last couple of years, but I've literally written for myself since, you know, I could write. So it's, um, it, it was hard. It was really hard, but, um, I think that hopefully I can get motivated to do it again because it's just kind of, it's, it's really kind of hard to write about the world when you can't go outside. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's kind of impossible. It's so I, hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but one day, I mean, hell, maybe one day, We'll we'll do like an actual we'll create a blog of our own and we'll do actual projects together and we'll post whenever the fuck we want to post. Who the fuck knows? Write that down. <laughs> Write that down. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a great idea. So this has been the people are dumb episode. Is that what we decided to title this? Um, yeah, I'm down okay. for that. <laughs> yeah, people are dumb episode. Um, and hyphen nation is brought to you by hyphen podcast group. Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people, hyphenpodcastgroup.com, and then also by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show Mad Love Robinson, his blog, Mark Rob, the M-A-R-C-R-O-B.wordpress.com. Again, that's the MarkRob.wordpress.com. He has tons of content on there. He's currently on hiatus, but there's a hundred posts for you to read. So if you read all hundred of those posts, and then if you email Marcus or dm marcus or tweet marcus he will start writing again that's what he said so he just needs some one person to read all 100 posts that's not named kellen conley to tell them they've read all the posts and he's gonna if, start writing again if someone reads all of my posts i will literally write something about you nice nice and that and ladies and gentlemen that's how the happy 100 hyphen post got done because i've read all his posts on the blog oh <laughs> remember when i did that that was so sweet of me that, that was incredible <laughs> that was incredible you're like yo yo you, i need you to check this out i'm like man you call me i'm like i'm trying to go to bed you like i need you to look at this <laughs> you had you had everybody on that bitch it was dope it was dope yeah man um it it was really cool that you did that um yeah where was that oh yeah um give people their flyers while they're still there still there still here because you never know when it's their time to go and with that said make sure that you're calling your mom call your dad hug your sister punch your brother um hug your auntie um a social distance hug wear a mask while you do it send a dm to your cousin um, call up your nieces and nephews, see how they're doing. Hug your kids and tell them how much they mean to you. Tell your significant other, your spouse, that you love them, that they mean the world to you. Make sure you let people know how much they mean to you while they're still here, man, because you never know. You never know when it's their time to go. It's very important. And then also try to have genuine interactions with people because you never know what the next man or woman is going through and your kindness could save their life or someone else's. So that's what I always like to take out with me in the world, even though people are dumb. Say it with me. And <laughs> on, top of, on top of that, the power of positivity is real. Get that negativity out of your life, no matter what it may be, no matter what you have to do, you got to do you. And yes, if you're going to be like Marcus and possibly be like, you know what, I'm shutting off my phone on election day. I can't deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. That's going to be your positivity. Fine. If you have a horrible person in your life who literally makes you feel bad for everything you do, maybe it's time you switch it up and get rid of that person if you can. Um, whatever you got to do, whether, whether maybe you hate your job, maybe you hate your job so bad and you're just like, I need something different. Put that two weeks notice in. Maybe you don't even put a notice in. Maybe you just quit your job and go find something different. Maybe that's the positivity you got to do. Just get that negativity out of your life. Okay. Very important. Okay. Another thing, Marcus, what do I always say about hyphen nation at this point in the show? I always tell people to tell a friend I'll say tell a friend to tell a friend. That it's but, them again, which is us. I was about to say thanks, y'all. <laughs> That's why I led you into it, because I say a lot of different things on the podcast at the end of it. So 
Make sure you're telling people about the podcast. If you happen to use Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, then write a shitty review if you hated it, and I'll read it. I don't care. Unless it's racist. If you put some racist shit in there, I ain't going to read it. Or if you put some pro-Donald stuff in there, I'm not going to read it. Well, maybe I'll read it if it's entertaining. But if you're just like, he's going to make the world perfect and cleanse the earth of you, I might still read it because that's comical. Um, but yeah, uh, give us five stars in, in, on Apple Podcasts. And then you can find Hyphen Nation wherever podcasts are podcasted across any podcast listening device or platform. We're there. And if you can't find it, please reach out and let us know or any hyphen podcast group show. Let us know and we'll get that rectified for you. And then go to your water cooler. Go to your local water cooler that is uh, socially distanced and be like, man, I can't believe that these fools came over here to talk about sports journalism. And then they spent another 40 minutes talking about the election after Kellen just talked about it on the last episode. And then your other friend will be like, you know what? I actually enjoyed that part, but I did not agree with them talking trash about Bill Simmons or Kellen Sakes about Ryan Rossillo. I love Ryan Rossillo. I think he's a gorgeous man. You know what? You can love Rossillo. You can have him. You can have him. But the main thing is y'all talking, you're sharing, and then you're spreading the word about hyphenation. That's the whole idea. Right, Marcus? Hell yeah, I know I'm Lowe's Rhyme so <laughs> Yeah, man. So with all that being said, next up is the words of wisdom for today. And I get to hand this one off. So Marcus Robinson, here is your time to shine. If you haven't already shined enough and made me look bad on my own podcast, which you do every time, but I appreciate it. What is your words of wisdom for today? Oh, never that. Um Stop telling people to vote unless they unless you're telling people to vote for Biden. <laughs> I mean, please stop rebarring me with vote, vote, vote. Like, <laughs> and I think it's I'm I'm joking, but at the same time, I'm really kind of I'm trying to point out the the thing of telling people to vote. Okay, but. We need easier access to knowing who we're actually voting for. We need ways of knowing which candidates are actually worth voting for. And even beyond our national uh, presidential election, we need to know candidates of where they stand on local levels, on state levels, on county levels. Um, you know, we we need we need access to information. Like the internet is the internet is there, like we really should be using it for the betterment of people instead of, you know, uh, news bots and porn. So <laughs> like, let's, like, let's, let's New actually episode to, title news bots and porn. All right. <laughs> well, let's actually try to do something productive with this massive amount of information that we have at our disposal. I agree. That That's some good words of wisdom there, Marcus. Did you just write that yourself? Oh yeah. You know what? Hell yeah. See, he's still writing, you guys. Um, Marcus, we, we we didn't get Playoff P on, man. Like, Playoff P was sitting right here in the, in the room. We were supposed to let him in so he could talk about the Clippers and how how he was going to bring the clip, take the uh, L.A. back from the Lakers and stuff, and we did not let Playoff P in the door, Paul George, to talk to us, man. Man, fuck the L.A. cappers, yo. No, Marcus, no, you can't. No respect. You can't. You can't talk about he's right here. Like Paul George has been waiting this entire two hours to talk to us, and we're out of time now. And you can't do like, that. And just like the NBA Finals, he's still waiting. So let him wait. That's a good Jodeci song, by the way. 
I'm still waiting to get to the NBA finals and stop lying to these teams who I sign these contracts with. Another day might be okay. Anyway, sorry, playoff P. I, I promise you, dog. Next episode, next episode, we will talk. Okay, please come back. We will talk. It'll be awesome. All the things. Okay. Appreciate each and every one of y'all that listen to the sound of my voice. Listen to Hyphen Nation, whether you're a long-time listener, first-time caller, or a first-time listener, a long-time caller. Um, it doesn't matter. Every single one of y'all mean the world to me. Um, Marcus, as always, thank you, sir, for coming on with me and letting this episode just swerve wherever it went to. Because as much as I want to talk about sports journalism and paywalls, this episode turned out way better than I thought it would. <laughs> so. As always, always a pleasure, big dog. And <laughs> so I say all that for, for Marcus showing Mad Love Robinson, for Hyphen Podcast Group, for everybody who's voting for Joe Biden, for everybody who's wearing a fucking mask. Thanks, y'all. Chichia. been listening to hyphen nation the barack obama approved world's greatest podcast hosted by kellen conley and his semi-regular co-host marcus show and mad love robinson find kellen at be hyphen on twitter the be hyphen on the gram and hyphen universe on zuckerberg's monster follow marcus on twitter and ig at show and mad love leave off the e to track him down email the show at be hyphen at gmail.com as always, this has been a Hyphen Podcast Group production. I'm Melisette of The Frightful Fret, and believe me when I say the best has not come yet. This is a Hyphen Podcast production. Are you not entertained?